Hello and welcome back to Hero with a Thousand Potions, a gaming podcast where two game likers in their 30s discuss the storytelling and gameplay of popular niche RPGs in a book club-like format. I'm Tyler. Insert co-host name here. It's season two. We're covering Final Fantasy VII Remake and its parallel content in the original game released back in 1997. Today, we are aiming to wrap up chapter nine, getting back into the wall market adventure after completing Hell House. Nate, how are we feeling tonight? I want to curl up and die, but you know what? I'm over this chapter and you said you're aiming to wrap it up. I will not let you leave until this is finished carry me nate yes you showed up 45 minutes late so it's on you if we don't wrap this up i blame ella i'm a refugee from my original battle station and where i am right now i am exposed to sounds from the house and baby needs to be down once i have the basement in good order i'm able to be more prompt speaking of basement i'm fucking tired of it i took tomorrow off Mm. to putty the walls that's what i'm doing tomorrow i'm finishing sheetrock and i'm beginning puttying i have to do multiple layers because that's how you're supposed to do it i need to dry 24 hours before you do the next coat and so we're starting that tomorrow and i'm doing it again on sunday and then once that's all done assuming it's all done and i'm not discovering another few steps that i have to do which have another few visits to menards nested inside of it we can do flooring nate i am tired of looking for shit at Menards. I'm tired of walking around the alleys, the alleys, the aisles. I'm tired of looking for shit. I don't want to ask anybody for help. I want it to be wherever I can find it. I'm just tired. I don't want to be the person I'm turning into. Nate, I, do you know what a joist is? Yes, I do. I didn't. I do now. Do you know if the consistency of putty on your first coat should be the consistency of toothpaste or sour cream? I do now. You need to watch more Love It or List It. Oh, God. If I'm being honest, because you would have known that the second you cracked open that basement, your life was over. <laughs> See, I this is where I just have to pay somebody else to do it because I have seen the dark side and I know that I'm way out of my element, hopelessly out of my element if I were to ever crack open a basement of any kind because every single episode... They're like, okay, here's our budget. Here's what what we need to do. And then they find something catastrophically wrong with the place. And everybody's sitting there sighing and moaning and making concessions and experiencing disappointment. And I'm just like, yep, I'm not going to do that. That's my life since July. Yeah, I'm going to be happier for it. Menards is your wall market. Oh, my God. You're racing back and forth looking for all the little pieces you need to complete your girl outfit oh my god i'm gonna put something on the wall in commemoration of that metaphor like a blue dress just hanging on a nail Mm, nice for no goddamn reason and people ask me i'll be like listen to my podcast you know i loved walmart back in the day so this what we're about to cover at least og style is what i would consider the meat of the place we talked two episodes about this chapter previously so far and yet We didn't even get to the point of what I actually love about this place. And again, I kind of, we talked about this, but I don't know that Remake is nailing what I loved about it before. How about you? I'm relieved that we didn't have to do the fetch quest. Mm. When I replay Final Fantasy VII, I look up the guide and I just do it. Because I don't remember those steps. And I want to do it right the first time. Or I want to get the good result the first time. And I can't remember it all. I don't know. I like what they did in Remake. 
I like how they saved me from having to do that. However, if you have a certain quest, you will have to do a, a variation of that same fetch quest, not for the same reasons, but it does hit the same beats. Oh, interesting. So is there a version either via Sam or Madam M where they don't have you tag along with Johnny? Yeah, yeah, there's a quest. We'll get to it, but I'll, since you're asking, I'll just tell you now. When you circle back to Madam M's, depending on your interactions with Madam M or Chocobo Sam before this moment, you may be set out on different quests. And I had a Madam M's. I'm getting a sense that you had... Chocobo Sam's, which is great for the content of this episode. Mm -hmm. The quest you didn't get is called The Price of Thievery, in which Bitch, Belch, and Booch are impersonating the guardian angel of the slums. They call themselves the Garden, Ang the garden Angles because they're illiterate morons. And we go after them to save Murray's honor. Remember, Murray was that angel of the slums. Back in Sector 6, the clever Robin Hood elderly woman. And we do end up fighting them. But they've got this friend with them called the Grungy Bandit. He doesn't have it. He doesn't have a name name. He's called the Grungy Bandit. And he's this Michael Myers type guy, but he's much larger. He doesn't look grungy. He doesn't look like he belongs in a grunge band. I guess he has long hair. And uh, he's, a, he's a beefcake. And you have to contend with him in addition to the other three. Gotcha. Imagine how much time I saved. You went on a variation of a, of a fetch quest. And I went and fought four people in a nook in the collapsed expressway. So I cleared the equivalent story beat content probably a lot faster than you did. And quite frankly, I'm thankful for it because I don't like the fetch quest. Hmm. Okay. Well, let's tee this up. So last time we beat Hell House and we won Madam M's little contest where the cost of the dress she was going to get for Aerith is a million gil. We made her a gillionaire. Yes. She probably already was, if we're being honest. I mean, you saw how how well cloud like that hand massage <laughs> she's probably loaded but hey you know the rich getting richer that's the way it works right but um with that there's a period of time where not only is Aerith going to get a dress but madam m is going to do her makeup her hair everything and we've got some time to kill as we wait for that and in remake, that's all it is, is you've got time to kill, go chill with Sam. And at least that's the quest I got is like, hey, maybe Sam's got something for you to do, Mr. Merc. Get your Merc on in Wall Market. We're going to try and cover this in tandem because at least for me, the events were quite similar. It's like a repackaging and I'll explain why they kind of repackage it in a different way. But in OG... We are going on a little quest, not to just hang out with Sam, but Cloud does not trust Aerith going into Don Carneo's mansion by herself. So they come to the conclusion, you know what? It's dangerous in there. For Cloud to get in, he's going to need to dress up like a woman too. He's going to need to be a hot Corneo girl. And so they resolve that they're going to get Cloud addressed as well. And so you're going to go on a side quest mission to get that dress among various other girly items <laughs> so yeah that's that's kind of the tee up for where we're about to head here in both games 
a little bit of a tour de force of wall market. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I'll just say quickly here is once you exit the Coliseum, everybody's cheering you on. There's confetti in the air and Johnny's dad is here hanging out <laughs> and he's happy that you did so well. And he's also proud of Johnny for going on his journey. Now in OG, outside the what's known as the Honeybee Inn, there is a sprite of an old man hanging out there who is using the same sprite as Johnny's dad. But this is a moment where I think remake us a little self-aware where they put Johnny and the Johnny dad sprite in the same scene without acknowledging the fact that he was there with his dad. So we keep seeing like, it's almost where's Waldo. We see Johnny's dad pop up throughout this chapter and remake as well. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of awkward. It's like, Hey, what are you doing? Hanging out outside a love hotel with your son. Not implying anything there between the two of them, but wouldn't you think like as a as an adult, he would have a little bit of a scolding or some advice for his son. Hey, maybe you shouldn't be going into this place, but nope, he's all for it. He's so proud of Johnny that he's hanging out in the wall market. It's where children become men. Gross. <laughs> You're right. It is gross because Johnny's immature, but he desperately wants to be treated like a man. And so he feeds into these trappings of wall market. It's not very good for him. And he doesn't get any better. He remains a moron, no matter what his development is. Yeah, and so we link up with Johnny here in Remake. And it for me, I don't you said you didn't have this sequence of events, but for me, I got taken on what I'd call Johnny Quest. Shout out to Cartoon Network there. But it covers most of OG's activities of Wall Market. But this time you're not doing it to get any of these items for a like a woman's outfit. You essentially get this quest and you're going to help out the dressmaker shopkeeper whose dad is in the dumps. He won't make dresses anymore because he's lost his inspiration. And so you have to run around town to find the dad's inspiration. And what that is, is the membership card to the honeybee inn. VIP membership card. Yeah. So you go to one guy and he doesn't have it. He gave it to another guy, but you need to help him out to get information, blah, blah, blah. You hit all the same beats of, and and I can kind of cover them here. There's this like, Tyler, did you ever play uh, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening? Yes, I did play that. So Link's Awakening has this system where you... You'll find a banana and you give it to a monkey. I'm not remembering each item correctly. And then the monkey gives you a broom and you give it to another guy. And then he gives you a, like a, I don't know, a hook and like each item. Yeah, I know what you mean. The other Zeldas had that too. It didn't even Ocarina of Time. Um, yeah, I guess so. Eventually you get the big Goron sword after like yeah. 20. Yes, you're right. Maybe Link's Awakening is the, is the first time that that happened. Could be. So the same thing kind of happens here in Wall Market where we go to a diner and we have the choice of eating whatever they have on the menu. Now, you notice something interesting here about the menu, right? Yeah, I did. I did. One of the options is Korean barbecue plate. Korea is canon. So is Texas. Texas and Korea is canon <laughs> in the FF7 verse. Exactly. So when you go there, you get a... Uh, you buy something and you get a coupon for an item at the pharmacy. Then at the pharmacy, you can pick between 
different items. I think like disinfectant is one of them, but ultimately the one you want to get is the digestive medicine. And you can give that to a woman at the bar who's puking in the toilet. She will give you sexy cologne or perfume. So that's an example of the kind of thing you will experience here in Walmart. And you get that perfume in OG, but in Johnny Quest, this in remake, this is all in pursuit of finding the answer of where the hell is this lost membership card right Mm -hmm. so they hit all the same beats and for me it's kind of interesting why did they tone down this quest of like you're trying to find all of these items of turning cloud into a, a woman putting cloud in drag because ultimately we still get there we get to that spot of cloud is dressed up like a woman i think the reason for it is is there's a lot of situations and contexts where it could be considered problematic for (laughs) clouds quest and so they kind of just tone all of that down they remove as much of it as they can and they kind of all throw it in the hands of what we will see later when we go to the honeybee and they they concentrate all of the cloud dressing up as a woman into the hands of one person and his like artistic expression instead of leaving it in our hands right i suppose invading the honeybee in dressing room could be inappropriate well i think the fetch quest is truncated in remake because gamers just have less patience i think they don't want to fuss with that stuff so much considering all the other great gameplay loops want to fight want to see cool cutscenes, meet interesting people i just don't think the the link's awakening around is as interesting sure but we're still kind of doing it one way or another and for helping johnny so one of the thing about johnny's quests that's new to remake is every time you do one of these little jobs like when you go to the diner instead of just eating at the diner for your reward the the guy working there is like my food tastes bad is it the fridge is it the stove is it the water what's wrong Cloud's like twirling his assess material. No, no, he's twirling his magic materia in his hand. And so you have a list of like, what's your highest level materials? Is your fire materia at level two? Is your ice materia at level two? And you want to pick the highest one and essentially say like, if it's the ice materia is the best, you want to tell him it's your fridge. That's the problem. Mm. And you're going to get the best result from him. Now the, the mission with the, the materia guy wanting you to go to the inn. He wants you to, there's like a secret button in the vending machine for adults only, but you need to use your assess materia to find it. And Johnny keeps saying like, is it the sauce? The sauce? Like, <laughs> is that the sauce? And the, the, even the materia keeper guy, he's like, dude, stop saying the sauce. The sauce. The sauce. Stop saying the sauce. Your obsessed materia might have been like yoked up, but mine wasn't. So I failed it and I did not find the sauce in the vending machine. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. But uh, as I mentioned last episode, I'm going to credit Tim Rogers Final Fantasy VII translation series. We know what the sauce is in OG. We have it listed here in our script that if you go there and you get the most expensive item, you get a protein drink set. But in Japanese, as we said before, the actual correct way to say it would be spirit reloader. And it's a kind of a risque little reference to what you would consider like a boner drink. I love that name. 
spirit yeah. reloader. It sounds like a limit break, and it is a limit break, really. Hmm. Think about it. And, and that that's his liberal like translation of what he's interpreting it to be because it's it's something that might quite literally might be get lost in translation and i think it did because the guy's just like it's a protein drink so you remember last time when we went to the inn and there was that little dialogue at least in my game you had a different answer but in my game we went to the love motel and cloud says i'm not interested and then eric's like but you thought about going here with me right Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay so that was last episode or maybe two episodes ago now. I can't, I don't know which one that landed in. But this time you go to the end with Johnny in tow and he says, sure wish I was coming here with Tifa. No offense, bro. I saw a video of this quest before we started recording here. And it recalls uh, him saying that. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So do you manage just hanging out with this somebody who's not even really your friend, but you're just kind of circumstantially forced to hang out with them? You're down on Water Street, Eau Claire. You're running around. You're, it's just the guys and you're you're taking care of stuff. It's a work acquaintance, right? And you're uh, you you walk up to like a you're at the gas station and there's condoms on the rack and <laughs> and you're this acquaintance of yours is like man i wish i could fuck your girlfriend <laughs> how would you react to that i think i'd laugh and i don't think i'd say anything because i know this dude's head is so far up his ass he doesn't really know what he's talking about and that my girlfriend probably has no interest in him and that it's something that she and i are going to laugh about later when i tell her so I don't want him to stop. I want him to keep doing it. It's free content. Free content. That's right. All right. Yeah, I'm done with that. One thing that I'll say here is that that quest for the um, the shopkeeper's dad to make the dress in OG, his inspiration that he, he lost inspiration. He's just making women's dresses all day. There's nothing exciting, exotic, fun about it. He's just in day in, day out. He doesn't care about doing it anymore. And he wonders, he just drowns his sorrows at the bar. And in OG, when you go to him, at first you're like, hey, we need you to make another dress. And Aerith is standing there with you. And he's just like, yeah, buzz off. I, I'm, I don't care. I'm so sick of this shit. And she tells Cloud to like step over in the corner. And she's kind of like whispers to him. And she's like, hey, old man, my friend here. He's always he's he's had a dream of dressing up like a girl and strutting <laughs> around town like a beautiful woman. Can you make that reality? And the old man is just like, oh, my God, this is so cool like this this idea of i'm gonna make a dress for a man instead of a woman that's that's amazing i'm feeling fired up i'm feeling inspired inspired how am i gonna do this you know i think that's the first kind of tinge of something where it's like you know that could be a little bit of an issue i think in the modern day sensibilities of just like this guy he hates he hates everything he does but once he transitions to essentially making drag clothing like that's gonna put his fire back in his bones and he he wants to go back to work and like make the the outfits of women's clothing for a man and i think they're just trying to discharge all of that this is one of the areas where back in the day when we said you could never remake seven because there was just all of these things they were going to have to drop we were never getting wall market we all told each other they they were going to do something of it because we were never going to get the cloud cross-dressing scene well we got it but i feel like a lot of the 
like narrative and context around it has been dropped. And we'll get to that. Like, how does it play out? How do we get to that moment where like we make the decision to put on the dress when we get there? It's just kind of like this thing of, oh, hey, I got one for you, too. Let's go put it on. Yeah. Yeah. They don't talk about it at all. They don't say why we're doing it. We don't live in the moment or anything. We just kind of do it. It's Madame M's ace in her sarong. Yeah. And so I kind of I think that that's one example of them toning down some of those themes. There's also in the dresskeeper's shop when you're when you're going through this whole ordeal, there's a woman there that just she says in two text lines, "You're weird." <laughs> and that's another one where I'd say that probably wouldn't fly today. Yeah, that could be. Maybe they're loading all of that cross-dressing bisexual energy of the moment into the new character that they've created for remake andrea rosea yes i don't know what you earn by doing that and i don't know if it pulls off precisely but maybe we'll visit andrea soon we do have another stop to make though the gym the gym so when we visit the gym we're met with well in original it's little bro but in remake we meet i don't have their name Jules. 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 I'm not super sure if this was a male or a female at first because they've got feminine features, cat-like eyes, narrow nose. Is the only one in the gym that's covering their chest with a workout shirt, a breathable, nice workout shirt. Everybody is shirtless otherwise. And Jules is Andrea's little brother. And maybe that's why they share feminine features. Maybe not, but maybe it is. Anyways, these gym bros need to be taught a lesson in terms of the way of the squat. And we're here to whip them into shape. Cloud steps up to three gym bros and they're buff, slick, shiny with sweat. By the way, Nate, not a single tattoo in the gym. I think that's a that's a Japanese thing is tattoos are seen as kind of it's changing in, in the modern day. But previously, I'd say 10 20 years ago tattoos were kind of seen as icky because they were closely associated with the ones that gang members got so if you didn't want to look like a gang member you didn't get a tattoo a yakuza indeed perhaps anyways we have to push the up down left right buttons on the right hand of our controller what is a triangle square circle cross and in a circuit around the keypad in a clockwise direction faster and faster. And then eventually the guide, the little metronome of when to push the buttons as the bar slides in a diamond around the figure of buttons disappears. You have to do it from memory as the speed increases. And if you F it up, you lose your balance and you have to start over again. And it's a big time sink to do so. P.S. When I'm playing this on my Steam Deck, on, uh, on original, I should say. The buttons you push are only three, but they're not the buttons that are on the screen. They were like, I forget which one it is. It's in my notes somewhere, but it's it's one button, another button, and then it's one of the triggers. So I had to test it before I actually did the competition. And then you don't get to practice again. You go straight into it, but I beat them anyways, but not by as good of a margin as I did in Remake. Eventually, we beat all three of the gym bros. Then we take on Jules himself. I got thrown off my game in the last round against Jules because I laughed when I heard an onlooker shout out, I can hear your muscles crying out in joy and pain. I can hear your muscles crying out in joy and pain. 
but it still beat him on my first try. I hear a lot of that <laughs> via via Japanese games. There's especially Street Fighter. There's this whole like muscle like religion or something in Street Fighter yeah. characters. And there's this whole storyline where people are like, what is strength? I need to find strength. And so you just go on the streets and beat up old ladies. Like, is this strength? <laughs> Have I found strength yet? And it's just like, guys, like making your muscle bigger is not a reason to live. I know that's going to be offensive to some people out there who practically live in the fucking gym. But it's like, there's got to be more to life than muscle gets swole you know muscle gets swole i remember something like that with fei fong wong in xenogears as well where he like fight fighting is all i know <laughs> oh yeah so fighting is all i'll do mm-hmm. i'm an amnesiac except for my absurdly crazy skills at martial arts when we defeat them we get a champion's belt is that right nate i don't remember looking at the loot log i know in og you get a blonde wig the whole reason you went there in the first place was for a wig here there's really no reason why you're here other than to murk up the place and i don't know why me as a mercenary i'm visiting them for funsies for my muscle spirit, something like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I don't remember what I wanted. I just knew that I wanted to kick Jules' ass, and I did. The other prizes are three mega potions and a lock up material. When you go in that gym in OG, prior to needing the wig, prior to Cloud making the decision to dress as a woman, in the back, standing on the scale, is the sprite of a girl. That they use throughout the game, you know, they they reuse sprites all the time in OG7. So it's the sprite of a girl you see, and in several other cases of the game, you see this this sprite essentially being identified as a woman in one way or another. Mm -hmm. And so she's standing on a scale... Or I, I don't know if I should say she, but let's just say for what your perception is in OG, you see what's in your opinion a woman standing on a scale... And fretting about her weight that this person has gained weight. And so you kind of think, oh, that's very stereotypical. There's guys at the gym getting buff. But this, what we're seeing as a woman at the gym, she's worried about her weight. What you learn later during the wig quest is it's kind of under hushed tones. Aerith kind of leans in and says, hey, are you the beautiful bro? And and they respond by saying, hey, shut up. You can't just walk around saying that openly, you know, essentially that it's kind of a secret that what you perceived first time through here as being a woman in the back of the gym. This is actually one of the bros. And they, like Cloud, have this desire to express themselves through dressing like a woman. We know that because when we talk to the shopkeeper who is making the dress for us, he's the one that sends us to the gym and he says, I know someone like you, essentially alluding the fact that Aerith Aerith told him Cloud likes to dress up like a woman and we want to make that a reality. He says, I know someone like that too. Go talk to them to get a wig. So there's somebody at the gym who's got a wide assortment of wigs, at least three that we know of, because based on (laughs) if you lose to them in the squat battle... If you tie them, or if you win, you get a different quality of wig. Question for you, Nate. What is the acceptable number of wigs to bring to the gym? The Sprite is wearing a brunette wig, but they have a blonde wig in their possession. So I think they like to switch it up. They like to 
do all sorts of different things. <laughs> and so at the end of this little quest, the the guy that you were doing in, now the Jules character, they don't have the name Jules in OG, but we're just going to call them the Jules character. Isn't it little bro? I don't know. Maybe. I think it is. Okay. So the the little bro character, some the the guy you, you don't do squats against them. You do squats against one of the buff dudes. And the buff dude is complaining that he lost and little bro slugs him all the way across the gym. So that's right. So again, this is, this is some old nineties sensibilities that I feel like they're disarming here. It might not be as much of a punchline in America, but this is again, kind of where you got to look at Japanese humor that anytime that there is a man dressing like a woman, that's a huge punchline in Japanese comedy. And I know we, we have like the, the white chicks movies here in America and, and, (laughs) Mrs. Doubtfire and things like that. And obviously you can look back and be like, you know, what the fuck were they thinking in some of these cases? But it's even more of a like meme easy. It's like fart jokes in Japan. Like fart jokes to us is like the man dresses like woman in Japan because they kind of have a long history of with of it with um like Kabuki theater. Women were not allowed to act in Kabuki theater. And so young boys would play the role of women. And so it was kind of, it's this thing that's ingrained in their history to be kind of in plays and in stories or whatever to poke fun at it and be like, look at that, you know, that's, that's funny that that happened. And so I think that's something they did here in remake is they just completely got rid of that element altogether, where when you went and met Jules, you honestly there was no like secret hush hush whatever it's just right up front you're like oh jules is appears to be masculine with slightly feminine features and we're just not going to talk about it or address it in any way and that's fine you know so that's kind of another area where i think they've again people said back in the day oh they're never going to do that well they did it they just did it quite differently after we get swole Nate and I each have different follow-up side quests that take us back into the Colosseum. I have one called Shears Counterattack. Now, I think that's a riff on Gundam because isn't isn't there a Gundam movie called Char's Counterattack? It's actually pronounced Char, so it's even closer. Yes, I would confirm that it's probably a riff. And also, if you, like, you know, we we know about Gundam a little bit here in America. It's big, it's cool, and some people might know about Char's Counterattack, some people might not. But if you live in Japan, that is your Star Wars. That is your Return of the Jedi. So it'd be like making a pun on the empire strikes back like the umpire strikes back or something like so it's it's a hundred percent intentional the gundam gundam is their star wars right in this quest we fight two sweepers they each have rotating blades for arms it's a piece of cake and i get an arcane scepter as a weapon it's Aerith's. got a lot of magic attack and magic points on it yeah and me i got a mission to also do a Colosseum fight for Sam and it's against two bombs and I just absolutely obliterate them instantly. And then Sam stands there congratulatory and says, eh, I ain't got nothing else for you kid or something stupid like that. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> is, is that it? Is that the hyped up 
parting mission ways. But I didn't realize that my entire Johnny quest is what you circumnavigated with your your mission diversion. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, interesting. Both times I played the game, uh, this time and previously back when I was on PS4, I got the Johnny quest. So I didn't even realize that there was another one. So at the end of that whole Johnny quest, we find the honeybee and membership card. We get it back to the dressmaker. He's inspired. Everything's fine. And we can finally be done with dumbass Johnny for this leg of the game. Good riddance. Hooray. Following that, we circle back to Madame M. We reveal Aerith. She's in a beautiful red dress and she's got beautiful makeup on. She looks just magical. It's very romantic. And she has hair extensions too because her hair goes down quite quite low down her back, which is not as long as her hair is beforehand. That is a detail revealed to me in the Ultimania. The real information we needed to know. Right. Yes. They fire off fireworks as she walks up. That's right. They do. Who's lighting the fireworks for a girl walking across town? Johnny is. Yeah, I do believe they're diegetic fireworks, but I want to say they're metaphorical fireworks for Cloud as well. Mm -hmm. The dress is beautiful, but it's nothing like... I don't think that's a million gill dress right there. I'm sorry. It's a half million gill dress because the other half is going to Cloud's dress. Surprise. Yeah, this is part of the disarming is instead of this whole quest line for, you know, Cloud's got to get in there because he's got to protect Aerith. He's got to be there for her. And we got to go on this quest to build this girl outfit ourselves. Aerith just kind of says, yeah, she's the one that had the idea. She wants Cloud coming with and she already thought of that. And she's, she's got a hookup for him. And so we're just going to go take care of it. No Claudia quest, as I call it. We get an invitation to the Honeybee Inn and in we go. Now, we're going to talk about the two Honeybee Inns side by side here. Of course, the original is done throughout the fetch quest. And the remake visit is now. In remake, we have... An appointment with Andrea Rosea. Rodea. Rodea. Ro- I said Rosea, didn't I? Mm-hmm. Andrea Rodea. But in original, it's totally skippable. I think in my first playthrough of Final Fantasy VII original, I never visited the Honeybee Inn. Me neither. This was all quite unusual and strange for me. Not just because we were stopping into effectively a strip club in a PS1 RPG, but because really, really, really weird stuff is going on in there anyways. Yeah, I never went in there until after I got my hands on the Final Fantasy VII strategy guide and I was thumbing through it and I looked and I'm like, I've literally never seen these screens before. What the hell is this? And I didn't even own it. I was just looking at it at like a Kmart or something. And I was like, oh my God. So I went back a couple pages and they say, you got to talk to the, just this random dude standing on the street is having a crisis of conscience on whether he should see some bee booty. And it's all the more disorienting when you walk in because the first room is shot in a top down angle. Like you see square on the top of his head, Cloud's head, as you navigate the lobby which is this big honeycomb-shaped room with several doors going into the different sides of the hexagon. And there's a large golden silhouette of a woman inlaid on the floor. It looks very opulent. It's funny. The dialogue for entering the Honeybee Inn has diff- like, been quite different across versions. So when I played it here, we're talking OG here. When I played it on my Switch, entering the Honeybee Inn, Cloud says, Looks like I'll need to go in here to complete my disguise. And Eris says, or 
She's Aerith in my game. Aerith says, sure, good excuse. Now, if I were to go up back and boot up the original PlayStation 1 disc, Cloud is going to say, hmm, that's how you'll fool them. And Aerith is going to let out an even longer, hmm, and say, so that's how you fooled them. It just makes absolutely no sense. Doesn't she do like a copycat quoting cloud in other moments of the game? Maybe, but vaguely recall that. Yeah. And I said it before, but I'll just kind of make a blame blanket statement here. Anytime I address knowing what they said in Japanese, it is give credit to the Tim Rogers video because he has like a, he has a short episode on it and then a like hour long episode where he just does plays through all of Walmart live and like just live reading the Japanese. Uh, I'm using that as my reference here to figure this out. But what he says is that essentially, if you look at the script and you look at the Japanese script, that it looks like whoever was transcribing it accidentally just put the same line twice because cloud's original Mm. line of, Hmm, that's how you fool them. It's nothing like that whatsoever. And so the Japanese translation is in his words, in his uh, interpretation, Cloud says, there's something here I need for my girl outfit. I just feel it. (laughs) And Eris says, hmm, is that how you fool people? So I feel like the Switch version, they went back in and they fixed it. They realized that there was like either a text box error or some sort of problem with it. And they actually did the work of fixing it. Similar to the this guy are sick line that got fixed in an earlier episode that we addressed that it, it does actually say on switch, this guy is sick. Interesting that both of those instances of errors are from NPCs that are not like required to speak with in the main story quest, <laughs> Yeah, which is maybe why it got through testing. Oh yeah. And also maybe why the translator is just like, fuck it, let's go because he had such a little amount of time to do that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we're in the end. We're in the end. I'm going to go through the rooms in clockwise order from the top. And the topmost room is the honeybees' dressing room. And in here, you get you get the makeup like item for your dress outfit. But then Cloud actually does have eyeliner on his character sprite as well. This room has got a couple little jokes that it does here that might fall flat. <laughs> but um, the makeup girl on the left is creeped out by Cloud hovering around her while she's doing her makeup. And so she says... He's probably the sensitive type that'll get too attached to her and follow her home like a dog. And so she gives him the nickname Poochie. And you have to do this over several dialogues. You have to click through and revisit her over and over to get all of these dialogues. Mm. Cloud introduces himself finally after like four or five clicks. He says, hi, I'm Cloud, a jack of all trades. And they do this like the little brackets where they're like denoting an internal dialogue. And she's just like screaming internally. No, your name is Poochie. Don't get don't get any ideas. And so weird. I found that interesting. She's probably coping with the fact that she she gets a lot of these guys every day. You know, you're playing an RPG. It's your job to explore every room and talk to every person 10 times and linger. But she's not living in your RPG world. She's living in a world where if a guy does that, he's probably a fucking creep. We don't have to deal with that, but I'm sure if there's any ladies out there listening in the audience, you might have had that experience where the dude just won't leave and he keeps bringing things up and trying to talk to you and 
you're just like, please go away. Fucking weird. Besides that, there's the makeup girl on the right. She asks if you have some kind of problem. You can answer with not yet dot dot dot. Great answer. Implying that you will have a problem or dot 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 not at all. So if you answer the not yet, she bends over and pokes Cloud with her stinger on her butt. Amazing. We mentioned this in the first visit here where we got kicked out, but everybody's got these bee themed costumes. So all the girls have a big bee like on what is the what's the name of the the butt of a bee? Is that the thorax, the abdomen? What is it? I don't know my bee anatomy that well. It's the butt. It's got the stinger on it, right? So they're all wearing that in addition to it's not her actual butt. It's a like makeshift appendage they've attached to all of these girls. She bends over and stings him. And then she begins swaying her hips like she's she's bouncing her hip from side to side after the sting. Uh, like she's gotten a little excited from it. You can do that dialogue over and over and over. And each time she bends over and does her sting, her hips sway faster. What? Oh yeah. You can do this dozens of times until she's this like wildly vibrating massive like BS or whatever. <laughs> or like, you know how they do the thing where like the flash vibrates so fast he can like move between matter. That's what she achieves here because you can keep increasing her speed of how she sways her hips. She's had a spirit reloader. Exactly. Well, that concludes the uh, makeup room, at least my experience with it. Next is the lover's room. Now, we don't actually enter this room. We peer through the keyhole like a fucking weirdo and here we see two old folks deciding if they're going to get it on and then we also learn that their son bought the room for them. Their son is Reeve. Is that a spoiler? Can we say who can we say the word Reeve or the name Reeve? Yeah. Yeah, sure. We're only talking about okay. original. Their son is Reeve. And you can learn that by peering through the keyhole over and over to get all of their dialogues. Oh, I don't think I did that. They mentioned that their son works for Shinra. He's a department head and that he's very involved in his job. It's stressful, etc. But also Kate Sith's theme song is playing when you look into this room. And also, there's a Kate Sith doll jumping up and down in the room's bathtub, watching them. So, as we know, Kate Sith, this is some some OG later in the game territory we'll never cover. Kate Sith is a giant mechanical mog being piloted by a cat. That cat mechanical whatever it's just a it's an android a robot whatever you want to call it being operated by a shinra executive on the other hand by the name of reeve and he's slightly sympathetic with our cause but he's still kind of a shinra simp he does things for them to like move their cause for he's a spy essentially but we know that he can see and hear everything going on he bought a hotel room a like a horny hotel room for his parents and he has one of his observation machines planted in the room. Dude, that's fucking gross. That is weird. But anyway, so we know that it's these. this is Reeve's parents. Now, there's a little bit of it you read on the way to a smile recently, right? I read the kids are all right. Oh, you have not read on the way to a smile. I'm not reading them in order. Okay. No. There's a little bit of a like conflict in that Reeve's mom is a widow in, I think, the, the book. But <laughs> the dad is clearly alive here in the, the honeybee inn. So hmm. the speculation in the community is he dies that night, perhaps 
from the action he gets at the honeybee inn. He just achieves sexual bliss and moves on to the next plane. Because after this, in the short story that covers the plate fall, which is in theory like a day later, he is out of the picture. Bizarre. Yeah. So I did not know any of that. I, I think it's a writer error, but I'm going to go with it's canon that he died from having sex at the honeybee inn. <laughs> Rip to Reeves' dad. Rip to Reeves' dad. All right, next room. Queen's room? Yeah. Next room is the Queen's room, and honestly, I have no idea what is going on in here. The sound effects of lightning is crackling as we're peering through the keyhole. There's a portly king or a queen walking around the room talking about a prophecy of the promised land, and then there's a man with... There isn't a man with blue eyes in the room, but he's talking about a man with blue eyes and a white sword. Meanwhile, someone lies still on the bed... And then in the foreground is another dude moving their arms around endlessly in the corner. Like maybe he's operating a console. Maybe he's making the lightning go off. And there's other voices that can be heard about the client. And I don't know which person in this room is the client. And they also talk about how the client's wife found out he makes visits to the Honeybee Inn. First time we hear Trail of Blood in OG as well. Yeah, in the in an earlier episode of the podcast, we mentioned how this song plays when you first meet Marco in, in the Stargazer Heights Inn, and mm. you're like figuring out what all is like diarrhea noises happening next door are. That plays there, and we said this happens at a certain point of the in OG much later in the game. And then we realized, no, it happened somewhere else. And this is that somewhere else, the honeybee in. So this room is very foreboding sounding, playing this song, the crackling lightning. Now, from my perspective, this is either president Shinra or the president of others, some other company dressed up in like a King outfit. He likes to role play because there is a, the person on the bed is a honeybee girl face down. So she's in on the act. There's a couple guys in like business executive suits talking shit via whisper to each other Uh. while this king guy is reciting poetry. And like one of the lines of of the poem is it's the curse of the resurrected Satan. Our beloved queen does not awaken. And Satan is also canon. We've got Texas, Korea and Satan are all canon in this world now. Yes, please. And then finally, like like you said, they're talking about this is goofy, this is ridiculous, his wife found out, they're all laughing about it. And then all of a sudden, lightning strikes, the king warps to like the front of the keyhole, and the, somebody's like, please forgive me! And you just hear smacking sounds, like someone's getting the shit beat out of them, and then it goes dark. What the hell is going on? I think this is just one of those those things like this is the magic of 90s RPGs of like what what is this? Yeah, I still feel that way. It's so wild. I sent you a YouTube video of the same room, but you don't have to look through the keyhole, the whole room. Uh-huh. Some modder removed the black shroud on it. You can look that up anybody if you want to see what we're talking about. There's a much clearer version to see and it doesn't help. Yeah, it doesn't answer any mysteries. I did watch it. It's it is clearer, but it's it's still so strange. There's two more rooms we can go into, and I'm just gonna call them the fuck room or the group room. When you say the fuck room, it's censored characters in the game. And in Japanese, it's called the love room. So <laughs> they censored the love room. <laughs> they censored love room. They could have just said love room. 
Exactly. That's so sad. We got to be edgy though. I choose the fuck room. And to my surprise, the music changes to that introspective nightmare music. It's called Who Are You? And uh, we see a projection of Cloud, like a transparent version of Cloud, crouched and holding his hands above his head. Cloud is looking at transparent Cloud in this room. And the transparent Cloud asks him, should you be fooling around here? And then it raises its buster sword like it's going to swing at Cloud, then collapses into him. Then staff rush in. Remember when we fell to Aerith's chapel and we had white text, gray text, clouds talking to each other? Mm-hmm. And then when Aerith would speak as well, that she would get a blue text box over our internal white text, gray texting, right? Mm-hmm. In here, when we black out from uh, this cloud specter touching us, it's all white text. So that's a little confusing. But in the Japanese version, it's white text, gray text for some reason. So I guess they flubbed that a little bit hmm. in translating it over. But what we get is the essentially the specter cloud. It says to it, you can't change anything by just sitting back and looking at it. And then us player cloud, we're like, what are you talking about? And then there's the line from specter cloud again. It started moving. And remember how in Aerith scene too, where it's like the, I think the final line was something along the lines of like, it started to move. Mm-hmm. What is that specter talking about? What is moving? I really want to know. And I don't know if it's like, he's just talking about his body or if there's some deeper, like he's in on the a plot and clouds our player clouds still on B plot. And he's referencing something like, get your head out of your ass. Stop fooling around here with these dumb, essentially side quests because something bigger is happening even before remake back in the day after doing like my umpteenth playthrough i was already starting to interpret that of like okay we've seen that in both cases now where specter cloud is talking about something started moving and the best guess that i could think of is well spoiler because it's in remake so not going to talk about it (laughs) Hmm. okay We'll circle back to it then. Yeah. Did you go into the group room? Uh, no, I I didn't know that you had... I should have read your notes, but I didn't know that you went to the fuck room. But I too went to the fuck room. So he wakes up, and there's a bodybuilder giving him the most violent massage I've ever seen in my life. While a B-girl looks the other way. This dude's name is Mookie, M-U-K-K-I. And you have the option to say, huh? Or, ah, uh, <laughs> as it happens. What the <laughs> fuck is this game? I go, ah, uh, ah. Uh. <laughs> they changed it uh, in PS1 version. They were both, huh, question mark, or uh, question mark. Whereas in the updated version, it's huh, question mark, and uh, exclamation mark instead. So you're a little bit more affirming in your huh, <laughs> but it still makes zero fucking sense. The joke here that kind of doesn't translate, you can kind of pick up on it in english but the joke that doesn't really translate here is mookie is talking about cherishing your youth while you have it and then the the honeybee girl there she says she's sorry for all the trouble you're having and then it happens to adults a lot so don't worry about it now that is not how the text reads in english that is the the japanese translation version so essentially the joke here that didn't really make it into the english version is they think that cloud like had performance issues and just passed out as a result of it and so as a consolation prize of like yeah you may have uh dropped the ball with whoever you were here in the bedroom with 
but here have this lingerie for your trouble and i'm like how do they know that cloud wants lingerie <laughs> exactly great question if you go into the group room what i remember is that there's a hot tub in there and there's a bunch of bodybuilders in there with him Cloud gets uncomfortable. He feels kind of surrounded by them and screen goes black and there's like questionable things that happen. I'm not even going to speak to what those are. It's all implied. It's a big bone of contention online. It's essentially nothing happened if in the Japanese text. Nothing. Okay. Okay. So. Cloud walks into 12 extremely strong dudes in the spa. They all surround him. Cloud gets freaked out. We fade to black. And nothing happens to him. Now, the joke here in Japanese is that Mookie, he's an older gentleman. He's got a, you can see it on the sprite, he's got a mustache. Now, if you look at Mookie's physique and his design, he's got a little bit of like a Freddie Mercury thing going on. Yeah. He's ripped. He's shirtless. He's in his Speedo. This, in Japanese culture, men typically don't rock a thick, bushy mustache in Japanese culture, at least in the 90s. And to be a bodybuilder, ripped, huge, muscular in that in that sense, and walk around with a speedo, women d don't necessarily find that type of man super attractive in Japanese culture. And so this was seen as kind of a um, a little bit of a shorthand for that's a gay dude, right? Hmm. The joke is here is that Mookie's a little bit older, maybe not like he's not a. He's not a grandpa age, but maybe he's in his 40s, right? And um, he and all of his buddies probably hang out at the gym all day, lift weights, get ripped, do their thing. They might have the same sexual orientation as Mookie as well. And uh, he asks Cloud, and this is in the English version, he asks if, if Cloud wants to join his young bubbies club. Oh my God. <laughs> Our translator is having a little bit of fun with this. Because it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek in the Japanese, too. Uh, he asks if he wants to join his seishun circle. And what that is, is essentially, it's like a youth, a youth club or whatever. So the joke is, it's this old guy wanting to invite a younger man to hang out with him. Because if you hang out with a younger man, that means you're young, too. I think at this time in original, we've got the whole ensemble together to get the best possible dress combination once we have the lingerie and the makeup. So in original, we return to the boutique, we put on the full outfit, and Aerith puts on an ankle-length red dress with red heels. Cloud's sprite is now wearing a purple dress with a big red bow in the back. He's got pigtails too. Yes, and he's got pigtails too. And his idling pose has his shoulders pulled inwards and his hands held in front of his waist and his head turned down like he's ashamed of how he looks, or at least doesn't want people looking at him too closely. If you walk around town with Cloud like this, everybody talks about how hot he is. Mm -hmm. There's this dude that like skulks around the middle of Wall Market who is like, damn girl, I'd like to take a crack at you. <laughs> you can go back to the Honey Bee Inn and you can't even get inside because the men just swarm Cloud and block the way, including the insert for Johnny's dad. <laughs> <laughs> He's saying how beautiful you are. Now, to Johnny's credit in OG, the guy who said he wanted to fuck your girlfriend, he doesn't comment on Cloud being hot. Johnny, on the other hand, says that Aerith was very sweet to him and sold him a flower for one gill and that he would like to see her again sometime. 
He doesn't say anything about fucking her, though. Good for Johnny. But he's dedicated to Tifa. That's what it tells you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. At that point in original, we head over to Corneo's mansion. So let's circle back to remake and our appointment with Andrea at the remake Honeybee Inn. Mm-hmm. Love it. And here we've got bee girls, bee boys. We also get to peek into rooms as well. Johnny's father is in one of them. And Palmer, who we haven't really formally met yet in either game, he's in one of those rooms as well. And he's overexerting himself, chasing a bee girl around with a bug catcher's net. Yeah! <laughs> I'm gonna get ya! Palmer, filling you in, or reminding you, if you played original, is the Shinra executive responsible for the space program. He's a short... Stout man in a tan three-piece suit, balding hair, older gentleman, 50s or perhaps 60s, and he looks like a cunning politician. He looks like he's up to something. He looks pathetic. He is a, he is one of the more pathetic characters. He likes lard. He wants extra lard in his coffee. Oh, that's a thing, though. He's basically nothing but comic relief. Even the Shinra executive board hates his guts. Post-production Tyler here. As I've been editing this episode, I discovered that Palmer is in OG's Honeybee Inn in an unused scene. You can find it on YouTube. Just go to YouTube and search unused Palmer scene. It's pretty interesting. And I'll also say that the layout of Honeybee Inn is different too. It looks more like the lobby of Honeybee Inn in Remake than it does in Original in this unused scene. I don't remember anything else about other rooms in here. I think that Johnny's father being present is another sly nod of the sprite reuse because he was Johnny's dad was one of the sprites outside of the Honeybee Inn, but not explicitly called that in OG. So they're just they're just playing around with that. I don't think there's some greater narrative of Johnny's father being a sex pervert or anything. Mm-hmm. Wasn't much else to glean from remake in either. We we jump right into it. Yeah, a handler invites us into the back room where we're going to meet Andrea. Now, we're probably thinking we're going to sit down with him at his desk, have a drink with him at a corner booth or something. No, we are in a ritzy back room showbiz lounge where the lights are dark. There are nice tables set with drinks, people crowded into these tables, and there's a performance stage and Andre is on it. We finally get the first really good look at him because in shots at the Coliseum, he's shot very mysteriously where we only see like the brush of his chin or the back or his entourage is crowded around him so that you only get the vibe. And guess what? He's got a lot of vibe. He's a handsome close shave haircut that kind of buzzes over his head, close cropped stubble on his face, thin, effeminate, sexy and glorious in his fashion the thing i always thought to myself the second i saw him was he's a yassified commander shepherd from mass effect holy shit that is absolutely right (laughs) nate nicely done he's got the strong features of a commander shepherd but he's softening them with his makeup skills and his choice of attire do they talk to each other before he goes on stage nope he introduces himself to you mid-song. Wild. Even the uh, name Andrea, now that I think about it, is a little bit, um, what, what's the word? Works for either gender. As does his brother's name, Jules. Right, it could be Julius. Mm-hmm. Or Julia, short for Julia. Mm-hmm, cool. Didn't even think about that till right now. Andrea begins performing on stage, and he's got lots of handsome backup dancers, men, 
and women alike. The lights are on him. It's loud. Aerith has taken a seat at one of the booths to watch the performance, and we are beckoned to go on stage with Andrea. Andrea wants to read the measure of this man that has intrigued him in the Colosseum, and the only way to do that is through the power of dance. Those who crave my favor must first prove that they know how to You do get a little bit of a practice session beforehand, and doing a good job on that practice session gets you a musical track for the Honey Bee Inn. I sure shit didn't get it. Yep. I'm amazing at this, Tyler. No, are you really? I I fucking nailed it. Nate, this was hard as shit. I can't see the icons flying across the screen to hit the buttons correctly. <laughs> you don't got... Here's here's the trick, right? <laughs> you, you don't got the rhythm. You're not going to dunk on me right now? No, 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 no. It, it, there's a... Oh. No, there's a trick to it, right? It's almost like a sleight of hand, in my opinion, once you figure out what's going on. There's these honeycombs, like these holographic honeycombs with a button prompt on them that are displayed on the screen. And they've got this, like, fairy wisp flying around. And the moment when the wisp collides with the button prompt honeycomb in 3D space is when you're supposed to push the button. And that can be difficult via depth perception. But also what happens is there's a larger honeycomb graphic closing in on the button prompt honeycomb. You just ignore the wisp altogether and keep your eyes on the graphic of the button prompt and just watch the the larger one closing in on it. You'll get it every time. Super easy. You don't have to look at the 3D space bullshit at all. You nailed this? Yep. You nailed this. I had, I think... 35 excellence and like two goods yikes so like Aerith was absolutely cheering me out like she was so excited she was <laughs> like bouncing in her seat cheering pumping her fist or whatever andrea was like smitten with me now you got to tell me what was his reaction to cloud because you sucked and you said Aerith was completely embarrassed by you right Aerith can't stand to watch me she's like hiding her eyes <laughs> cowering and grimacing to watch me i hate this but what did andrea say i don't really remember i don't know remember hearing him say anything that was contextual to my poor performance i don't think andrea's quotes change at all but here is Aerith's slow descent into utter disappointment These are like dance jams. And the first song they play is called Stand Up. It's a vocal track where the singer is praising the honeybean's qualities. It doesn't sound like it, but the words chosen, the anthem of it, it, it kind of reminds me of YMCA of like, this is the place you come to unwind and to, mm-hmm. to get away right. and everything. Yes. The music itself, it's like a Broadway cabaret club. And then it kind of like, moves into what i'm going to call fantastic plastic machine are you familiar with that at all tyler never heard of it okay so we'll put some links in our discord join us on discord we have a good time it kind of fades into a fpm song then we get a second track completely different vibe called funk with me and i'm feeling daft punk's ram album random access memory great album that was the album of the summer of 2013 (laughs) yes uh, fuck that uh, Blurred Lines bullshit. Get out of here. Give me Daft ah. Punk. And then uh, the next track, 
sink or swim, but it's sink as an S Y N C. So you talking about you getting in the rhythm, feeling it, getting synced up with your, your partner here. <laughs> Not me. This one goes, <laughs> yeah, goes a little bit harder than the previous two. Uh, do you know a justice EDM group? No, I don't. I don't know much EDM. All right. They're going in the links. You'll, you'll learn all about them. Then lastly, vibe Valentino. I hear this as a loving tribute to the Japanese uh, EDM group Perfume, or as Weebs will be sure to correct me, Pafumu. Nice. Underneath the uh, like dance tones, there's this like robotic girl voice that just reminds me of how basically all the vocals of Perfume has this like layer of not necessarily auto tune, but like a robotization of their their voices mm-hmm. so i'm i'm hearing that in the musical stylings and and the vocal execution of this track as well and then it circles around to a reprise of the first track stand up as kind of the grand finale of the track the whole time cloud is apps well for me at least cloud is nailing all of these dance moves the only way to interpret my scene there's a certain aspect of like people who are good dancers can kind of Go along with a song, feel the rhythm, get some nice moves or whatever. You can you can go to a dance club and see people that they know what they're doing, right? But Cloud is nailing absolutely pinpoint accurate choreography with Andrea on time. Like they're swaying together. There's a point where like they line up front to back and one leans in either direction and they both turn their heads and give it a give each other like a, a gaze of nailed it, you know? <laughs> and so the only interpretation I can have is that cloud has studied this guy's work and he's a secret super fan. <laughs> he was playing it off. Like he didn't know shit about this place. He's never heard of these people. Who the hell is this guy? But he's seen every show on the, uh, the Rodea hologram. Okay. And I'm going to go the literal route and go, Cloud has never seen or met Andrea before, doesn't know the dance moves, isn't comfortable performing on stage, and certainly not spontaneously, and will try it for maybe 15 seconds and then come to a dead stop, wave his hand at the crowd like, (laughs) fuck this, and then disappear behind a curtain. (laughs) That is your version of it. I guess so. Oh my god. So... Cloud undergoes a transformation at the end of the performance, whether you do great or not, whether Aerith can bear to watch you or is like bursting out of her seat with joy. Cloud sits down at a chair and then he's got a ensemble of b-boys and girls on him, transforming him. There's a b-boy that does his makeup, which I think is a nice touch. What we get is a beautified a yassified thank you nate from earlier cloud and tyler you know this segment whether you flubbed all the moves or you aced them like me it's reminding me of another brooding warrior protagonist from the final fantasy series and that would be none other than final fantasy 8's squall leonhart because when you go to the seed graduation ceremony they have a ball dance afterwards and you get invited for one dance by a uh, certain girl named Renoa because you are the, the the hottest guy there. Your pixely face, you're the hottest guy there. 
So she invites you to dance and Squall starts by kind of fumbling around or whatever. But when that waltz starts to slap, he suddenly like transforms into a dancing god. And uh, Renoa later comments on that. She's like, wow, you've got some moves. I, I didn't realize. And Squall kind of brushes it off as like, yeah. Part of being a seed member is you you also have to take dance training. So it's just it's part of the cover. You know, if if your seed cover was you have to go undercover as a dancer, well, we have those skills. We can do that as well. So Squall knew how to dance and he just whipped it out at his moment's notice. So begs the question, are soldier members under the same training regimen as seed members are all of these moves that Cloud is laying down on the dance floor in perfect symmetry with a icon like andrea was that all taught to him by soldier as part of their training regimen you gotta you gotta have all the the perfect dance moves it's part of combat it's part of his bobbing and weaving through the battlefield he secretly knows how to throw down i i think that might be the case if if that can help provide some sort of explanation of why Cloud is just able to transform. He plays it off like, oh, I don't want to do this. But when the music hits, the the Maco programming, the Genova cells just kicks in. And he, he has to tear up the dance floor. <laughs> <laughs> I have to give my wife credit for <laughs> bringing me into that world and educating me. But at the the finale... Rodea leans into Cloud and says to him, true beauty is an expression of the heart. Notions of gender don't apply. And to me, this is kind of the capstone of my whole philosophy of why they kind of removed all of these gender-based, what were essentially comic relief moments, jokes, poking fun at Cloud and other characters throughout the whole of Wall Market. They removed all of that stuff. They concentrated it into this character of Andrea Rodea. He's the one that's going to transform us. And he's going to deliver that line of, this is why I did this, is that I see your inner beauty cloud and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you express that. It all gets pulled away from all of those other moments. It's concentrated here and he like discharges it. He delivers one line to say like, all right, everybody, do not get mad. True beauty is an expression of the heart. A thing without shame. To which notions of gender don't apply. This is not a joke. This is not a punchline. This is not like Cloud walking around in a dress. Is not some sort of like thing we're ridiculing about him. This is cool. This is great. Aerith is cheering. Cloud's comfortable. He just killed it or didn't kill it on the dance floor. Whatever. It's all good. Don't get mad at us. <laughs> right? Yes, it's a sock puppet for Kazushige Nojima saying, the writing is good. Yes. <laughs> the writing is good, given what we just experienced in Remake. How do we like how Remake handled building Cloud's outfit compared to the original? I'll answer first. I've already mentioned that I'm not so interested into the Fetch Quest. Then again, we do need to find a way to get Cloud into a dress, and into Corneo's mansion. It is a little ham-fisted, honestly. The dress comes from Madame M, the makeup comes from the Honey Bee Inn, and it does seem like, I don't know, I guess, I think it's the best way to handle it, given all of the other beats that the writers feel like they need to hit in order to 
make this whole wall market adventure come together. And so with that in mind, it is a little sudden to me because the first time you're playing it, even after this dance is over, I don't know if I'm still going to go on this fetch quest. I haven't gone on that quest that you did. I mean, if you've, if you already have, you probably feel like you've already had that moment. I haven't had that yet. If you don't have that moment, if you fought the three morons, the thieves, like I did, you're probably still waiting for the other shoe to drop, but it never does. And you're given the dress kind of abruptly, I think, or in the makeup abruptly. And I'm kind of fine with that. In your quest with the three doofuses, did you get like your tour de force of Wall Market? No. That's kind of my issue with the change. Even though I did that with the Johnny quest, it's like this guided thing of the game telling you, now go here, now go here, now go here, now go here. For me, it was, we talked about how we missed things in the original. It was actually like exciting and tantalizing to have all of these things kind of playing out dynamically at the level of you engage it and you get the reward from like poking around the town. You could just get the dress, get the wig and go change without doing any of the fetch quest stuff. And you will still be able to progress the story. You'll get a different outcome and it ultimately doesn't really matter, but it's that personal satisfaction of like, I did everything and I saw everything remake robs me a little bit of that. Like, personal agency of like whether I want to do everything or not granted those extra quests are side quests and remake as well but it's it feels a little just a little too handholdy for me in remake and I understand why they did what they did because that's what gamers expect from a modern game the idea of missable content or missable quests or things that are just hidden that you'll never see it's kind of a something where we've done away with in video games, right? Mm -hmm. I understand why it's changed. Um, but I, I like the original. I never minded the the fetch quest. I can slam it out from memory and do it so fast that it, it really doesn't affect me. Plus, I like going and seeing the, uh, the dudes in the hot tub. <laughs> do you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the gyrating B-girl. That is great. I have to go back and see that. Definitely. I have it in the footage. I'll see if there's a way that I can cut it and get it to you without dealing with Discord Nitro nonsense. We're fully yassed up. We're in our dress. We're in our wig. We walk outside and we actually get to play as Aerith for like five seconds as she just follows Cloud outside the club. He won't say anything to her. She's like, hello, Cloud, whatever. Mm -hmm. And he just like slinks off into a corner and you finally, <laughs> you finally address him and he's just like, all right, let's go. And she's like, Cloud, you look amazing. Not a word. Such beauty. Not even one? No. Wouldn't you agree? But you're so pretty. There's a love and a care and a support level from Aerith that the two are kind of poking fun at each other in OG, or at least she's poking fun at him throughout the whole honeybee phase of like, oh, sure, that's the excuse to go in here, right? But in Remake, she's all about it. She's a fan of girl cloud right he does look nice and it's because cloud does have effeminate features he's got soft skin on his face he's clean shaven his hair can lean into one sex or the other he's it would be a totally different story if it was buried or <laughs> i don't know bosh from 12 that got yassified oh sure could you imagine definitely and we're ready to go to the corneo mansion we're ready to we're we're a couple of hot chicks so we're definitely getting in but we're going to save that for next time. Just to lead things ahead a little bit. There's a sewer chapter coming up. And we think that Don Corneo, narratively, thematically, 
belongs in the sewer chapter. <laughs> yes. We're going to confront a hideous, disgusting sewer monster in the next episode. And we'll fight apps as well. This episode has been a production of Gunblade Guys. That's us, Tyler and Nate. You should think about liking us, subscribing to us, five-starring us, writing a review about us, or telling a fellow game liker about us, too. If you love this show, someone you know probably would love this show, too. Join the conversation with fellow fans of the show on Discord. Find a link in our podcast description paragraph. Catch us on Twitch and YouTube under the name Gunblade Guys. And if you feel like tipping us, you can find a link to do that in our podcast description as well. Do not email us at gunbladeguys at gmail.com. And Nate, I have been thinking about your previous question in the previous episode. Who's the gun and who's the blade? I have an answer for you. I want to hear it. I think I'm the gun and I think you're the blade. Because... I manage the podcast. I think I've got like the foundation in the gun of the gun blade. That's the tool that the hand closes around. So I feel like there's a control aspect to it. Meanwhile, we're not talking about a sword in terms of a blade. The blade is a blade. And quite frankly, I think you give better commentary in our podcast than I do. And so maybe I've got some foundation and you've got the sizzle and together we have this hybrid weapon of pure sci-fi awesomeness. I like it. So you're the one firing off the episodes, but I'm the one that's cutting deeper. Yes. <laughs> I, that's not too bad, I think. <laughs> I think that's just right. I don't actually take that title. I believe that you are a necessary and complementary in every way element of the podcast that I do not put one above the other in terms of the quality or quantity Maybe quantity. I don't shut the fuck up, but the quality of what you have to say, even if it's fewer words, I put directly on par with my own. Thank you, Nate. That's so nice of you. I could trim you down in editing, but most of the time I don't. Appreciate that. Yeah, you bet. We really should have been friends in college. Would have changed everything. <laughs> Maybe, man. Maybe. Okay, we're tired. Let's go. Peace out. Peace out. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Ow! <laughs>
for a while there, Baldur's Gate 3 was uh, filling that position where just an offline, like, scratch the itch kind of game. And it's amazing and it's wonderful. And I also just, like, managed to completely burn myself out on it. And so I need to pace myself better. Still crushing Tactics Ogre. Just got Hoberim. Mm, nice. Yeah. Sidebar over. Sidebar over. Let's get back into it. All right. Sleep with mom tonight. Well, me too, eventually. Not your mom. I'm not sleeping with my mom tonight. <laughs> that just for added context of who was the person on the other end of that. My 15 month old is sleeping with her mom tonight. Yes. Who's also my baby mama. And wife. Yes. One of the podcasts I watch, uh, the H3 podcast, they typically grab sound bites from things that people say. And so that would, that would be a moment for you. Of, All right. Sleeping with mom tonight. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh God. Oh, I didn't even cover this. I, I have to cover this. So oh, man, the, reinserting this back where it belongs is, are you up for it? Do it I guess all the time. Do it all the I, time. I guess we have more lead time since there's an episode actually coming out Monday. So you you don't have to have it out by Monday. So that's good. Um, at least by your own metric. Yeah. Is this that for yourself? is about the basement. Fuck the basement. Next is the lover's room. There are two old folks deciding if they're going to get it on. And they brought their son in the room with them. No, they didn't. What? No, 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 no. I'm I'm misreading. (laughs) Yes. Their son bought the room. (laughs) They brought their son into the room for them. (laughs) Oh, my God. What the fuck? I am going to bed with my mom tonight. Okay. (laughs) That guy is whoever he is. Well, we know who he is. All right, go re redo that whole thing. There's, I don't think this is salvageable. No, it's not. It's not. Okay, composure. I'm still grinning like a fool. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's not that funny. It's not that funny. Okay. Next is the lovers' room. There are two old. (laughs) Next is the lovers' room. Don't laugh. I'm just gonna mute myself. Honestly. Where is my fucking video of this? There we go. Nope. Wrong video. Which one is it? There we go. Found it. I think we need to grab that REM quote from Losing My Religion where he's like, Oh no, I've said too much. Haven't said enough. That's their podcast in a fucking nutshell. We're saying too much, but we still haven't said enough because we haven't finished the chapter. Right? I thought you were saying that quite well. Ow! Yowch! Yowch. <laughs> we, need, we need to replace it with just somebody screaming like, Ow! Damn! <laughs> But, but but like a famous person. 